Ministry Mentorship, Episode 11. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministries. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Lori Wagner. She is an author, speaker, and a licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church. We talked with her recently, and in our conversation, she talked about some of the challenges we are facing in our culture today. Let's join the conversation now. We're here today with Lori Wagner. She is a licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church, and she is also the author of 13 books. She's a public speaker, and she's the state coordinator for National Day of Prayer. She's the mother of four children, and uh, her family attends the Faith Apostolic Church of Troy, Michigan, and their pastor is Marvin Walker. Uh, Sister Wagner, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Now, you've written uh, extensively about modesty and some of the issues that we're facing in our culture today. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges that we're facing in our culture. Well, that's a a very broad question in general. I mean, if you're talking to the population at large, I mean, regardless of your faith, there's just challenges because you're alive, and it's the world that we live in. But I think specifically for Christians, the greatest challenge that we're facing is just a lack of understanding or belief that the Bible really is the Word of God, and that it really does apply to our day-to-day life choices. There are even Christians that just really don't comprehend or understand that the Bible and its teachings apply to their life and their lifestyle choices each day. Let's talk specifically towards that young person that's between the ages of 18 to 30, and they're apostolic, they're in their local church, they're trying to be involved. What are some of the issues and challenges that they're facing right now? Well, I would just encourage everyone to be the person that God made them to be. I think uh, it's so uh, easy to fall into the comparison game, but the truth is you're never going to compare with somebody else. God made you different than anybody else, and you don't have to. Uh, be or do exactly like anybody else and and just be the person that God made you to be. The scripture says to live a life worthy of the Lord, um, growing in the knowledge of God and and to walk worthy of our vocation and calling. And I just want to encourage every person to do that. Just make that your goal, to walk with excellence and, and walk in the calling and the vocation that God has called you to, no matter what world you live in. If you think about Daniel, I mean, he wasn't living in a moral society. If you think about those Hebrew children, they weren't living in a supportive church environment. They didn't have a a youth leader. There's all kinds of issues that they were feeling and dealing with, uh, but they still stood with excellence, even in an immoral society. You can stand with excellence. In your most recent book, Unmasked, you talked about tattoos and piercings and body modifications. What does the Bible say about these things? Well, first of all, I want to express that we are very blessed as apostolic Christians 
to have the Spirit of God and the Word of God to give us revelation and understanding. And we have wonderful people that also cherish that Word to help us to grow and to walk with the Lord. But there are a lot of people in this world that just don't know. And so I want to be careful in our presentation that we don't look at somebody that's not following the Lord and and look down our nose at them and think, what a loser or something like that, because God never called sinners to holiness. He called his followers to holiness. And, And if we present these beautiful truths that we think are blessings in our lives in a way that's unattractive to others because we're looking down our our holier-than-thou noses, that's not attractive to the world. And I just want to, first of all, say that even though I believe all these things are beautiful, wonderful truths and teachings, and God has a reason for them that are blessings in, in the believer's life, that we need to be careful in our presentation and not look down on somebody. And if the Lord brings a hundred tattooed people into my church next week, I will worship and celebrate God alongside them. <laughs> So I just wanted to give that little preface first, because I don't want anybody to look down on somebody because they did something that they didn't know any better to do. Absolutely. We don't give a a toddler a college lesson and expect them to pass. So just to be careful, always keep the right spirit and the right attitude. And and, and where does that that come from? I mean, why why do we, when we walk into our church sometimes and, and we look across the pew, or even when we're out, you know, getting a Starbucks coffee and, and we look over and there's someone that, you know, has a body modification or piercings or tattoos. Do we sometimes want to shrink away from that? And if so, why is that? Well, I think honestly, you know, I speak a lot on issues that are perimeter issues. The core issue for anybody that's a Christian is their relationship with God. But oftentimes, that's not where we get attacked. We get attacked on the the borders and things like modesty and holiness and separation. These are the areas that we get first attacked because that's kind of like a border on our field. (laughs) And so sometimes we get so hyper-focused on protecting our borders that those are like very, uh, we're keen. We're keenly aware when something like that is, is in our face, or, or and we just, we're so careful to try to present and teach and live, and we just don't really know how to handle ourselves sometimes, but I just, I feel as a teacher of these issues that I'm standing for these issues because I believe they're blessings from a loving father to the people that he loves, but sometimes we can just get so caught up in the battle of fighting for these things that they become the issue, but the issue is God. The issue is our relationship with God. And I just think that we have to realize, you know, these people, they don't know the Lord like we know the Lord. They don't know His Word. They're not in relationship with Him. And so we cannot, if if Sister Susie, who grew up on the pew with me, turned around and did these things when she knew way better, and she received the same teaching, and she had the same instruction and the same uh, experience with God, you know, and she turns around and walks away and does these things in disobedience, that's totally different than somebody from that never knew these things, uh, experiences and makes these life choices. And I just, we have to be careful. We have to be careful in the way that we reach out to people. But even, I just want to say this, even if Sister Susie did that and she walked away and she made that mistake, if I walk into Starbucks, 
how am I supposed to treat her? The scripture says that uh, even our enemies, we're supposed to love them and we're supposed to pray for them. And so we need to be careful because if we want these people to return home, we need to be gracious and we need to be loving. That doesn't mean that we accept and condone wrong decisions, but our, our spirit and our approach should always be one of reconciliation and love. This is a great message, and I think we need to, to talk about that. I think that was kind of the whole message of Jesus, it was reconciliation and bringing, he came to his own, the Bible says, he came and they received him not, they rejected him, but the point was, he reached out to his own people, he reached out to those who were, had walked away from God, that were not living right, uh, he, he didn't, if he would have stayed cloistered and kind of, you know, the scared of the world mentality, uh, he would not have reached out like he did. Right. And he, uh, like I said, he didn't call sinners to holiness. He called sinners to relationship, and then they became disciples and followers. And so we can't expect people that don't know the Lord to walk in discipleship principles. It just doesn't work. So we just need to be careful in our presentation. But the Bible very specifically teaches, Old Testament and also in the New, I believe very clearly, the concepts about avoiding body modifications in Leviticus. I have it here. I promise I do. <laughs> Leviticus 19.28. It says, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. See, this is for people that are, it's their Lord. He's talking to his people. I'm the Lord, so don't do this. And these actually had to do with the cutting and the bloodletting and all of the tattooings and piercings. They all have their roots in pagan worship and pagan rituals, and they're related to demonic and supernatural powers. And I know that the people that are, most of the people that are going in and getting these done have no idea really what the roots are, and they, they don't think they're doing anything pagan or overtly spiritual, but that is the root of it, and the Lord knows it. And he says in Deuteronomy 14.1, Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. And one of the things that really has struck me is that I heard even recently of a very well-known Dove Award-winning Christian artist who he and his whole family recently got tattoos because one of their children passed away. And they did that in their memory, in, in the child's memory. But the scripture clearly says in two different places, don't mark your body for the dead. And so even people are like, well, we'll, we'll get a, a tattoo that's a, a cross or something like that. But it doesn't matter how nice it is, what your motive was, if it was for a nice reason because you love this person that's passed away or whatever, the scripture says, don't do it. And the reason is, is because it's rooted in pagan worship. But to go to the New Testament, because a lot of people will say, well, there's a lot of stuff we don't do, and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, we don't really apply to our lives today. Um, in Mark 5, 2 through 5, uh, the scripture talks about the man with the unclean spirit. And what did he do? He lived among the dead. And he cut himself. The man was demon-possessed. And this story provides a, a New Testament association between the same practices of cutting and bloodletting, demonism, and the occult. And I do want to stop here because I forgot to mention that the word, the word used for cutting and marking your skin 
it, it means puncture. And so that's why when I wrote the book Unmasked, I wanted to deal with the uh, tattooing first because <laughs> that makes it pretty easy to go to the piercings issue because you can't pierce or tattoo or cut without puncturing the skin. And that's what the Lord is talking about. We're not to puncture the skin for tattoos or piercings, ornamentation. But in James 127, the scripture says to keep yourself unspotted from the world. The scripture says to abstain from even the appearance of evil and that we shouldn't be friends of the world and we shouldn't be in agreement with the temple of idols and we're supposed to be different and separate from the world. You know, one thing that comes to mind as we're talking about this is the scripture that talks about in the image of God created he them. I believe it's in Genesis. We are created in the image of God Mm-hmm. And therefore, we are to, to reflect His image and to worship Him alone. Well, I, I think this is really important. I think that as a Christian, we are, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and, and that means that He made us wonderful. And I just, I know it's kind of crazy, but I like to use pictures to illustrate things, but can you just imagine Jesus inside of a mother's womb with a pair of knitting needles and taking a strand of dad's DNA and a strand of mom's DNA and knitting together a billion different connections that says, okay, this is going to be the shape of their eyes and this is going to be the color of their hair and this is going to be the way their nose turns up. And God did that and he made us fearfully and wonderfully in his image, in his likeness. And when we take upon ourselves to change what he made, we're almost saying, it's not good enough. I want to be different than what God made me. When we present ourselves as the person that God made us to be, I believe it brings honor to Him. Why, why do we struggle with this? I mean, I, I think I see for my own self in our culture that the images that are portrayed to us of what true beauty is, what true manliness or what, what somebody says is fashionable or trendy, can that throw us off track? Well, sure it can, and, and the the crazy, ironic part of life is everybody wants to be different, but everybody wants to fit in. <laughs> and so you get a tattoo to be different, but guess what? It automatically makes you fit in with the tattoo crowd. So we're all do, they're doing it for this expression, self-expression, whatever, but the truth is, is that it's way more than just an outward adornment on a physical body. It has a very spiritual nature to it. The people that are pro-tattoo, when I was writing the book, I did months of research, and I looked at horrific pictures and talked, uh, read a lot of uh, different writings that were from the pro-tattoo people. And um, Ed Hardy, he, he wrote a book called Tattooing the Invisible Man. When you mark the outer man, you are really marking the inner man. It's a spiritual act. He said that you put a tattoo on yourself, with the knowledge that this body is yours and nobody else can control what you do with it. But that's not what the scripture says for Christians. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, that you are not your own? You were bought with a price. Our body doesn't belong to us. And so we're supposed to honor God with our body. And tattooing to me is like taking a, going to a beautiful temple and putting graffiti on it. 
it's it's a it's a desecration of the temple that God made. Now, the book we're talking about and making reference to is the book by Sister Lori Wagner called Unmasked. And tell us how uh, how young people can get a hold of this. I know you have it on your website at affirmingfaith.com. Would that be the best mm-hmm. place to get that? Well, I do actually put a little blessing, prayer, and signature in each one that somebody orders from me, but they are also are available from Ladies Ministries. If you call headquarters, they're available through the Pentecostal Publishing House, and they have them for uh, ebook readers online if you want to look them up. And I would recommend this for any young person right now that wants to have a deeper understanding of some of the cultural issues behind uh, behind body modification, tattooing, and uh, piercings. I think it's a great resource. You know, I, I'm troubled sometimes when I when I see young people that are looking to the world, and I think some of these things we've already talked about is is kind of an outward indicator of what's going on on the inside. Mm-hmm. And how do we how do we stop that? If if there's a young person right now that they're looking that direction, they're saying, you know, this is. Well, I just wonder if this would be cool or if this would be fun, maybe to experiment or, yeah, it's no big deal. How do we how do we shake ourselves out of that? Well, I think it's first of all very important to maintain our focus on whatsoever things are pure and just and holy and lovely and a good report. I mean, if we're thinking on those things, we're not going to be looking at the things of the world and lusting after them. I think it's very important. Um, but I also think, you know, we just have to remember that we, when we say strive for holiness or talking about being set apart, what that really means is that we are His. We belong to Him. And if I think about how God is with me everywhere I go, every place I'm at, everything I'm doing, and he's not my chaperone, and he's not some ticket-riding police officer, but he's my loving companion who always wants what's best for me, then it doesn't make it hard. And there's a verse that I just love because God has given me this and has just helped me through so many situations. I've shared it with so many people. And it is in the NIV, it's Isaiah 60, 17, and it's the last part of the verse, but it says, I will make peace your governor and righteousness your ruler. So what is a governor? A governor is your decision maker, and your governor is your head of state. So I say, you know, I can get myself in lots of states, states of confusion, states of distress, (laughs) all kinds of states. But if peace is the head of my state, if peace is the decision maker in whatsoever state I am in, God is not going to lead me in the wrong direction. And the last part of that verse is that let righteousness, God will make righteousness be your ruler. And that's talking about the true word of God is your pure source of motivation for everything that you do. And if we will live by that verse, and we don't know, should we or shouldn't we? Well, first of all, let me just say, if it's controversial, you better make sure you know what you're doing before you act on it. If it's controversial, you better know what the Bible says, and you better get your answer in a prayer meeting from the Word of God and with wise counselors, not with your buddies. But if we will live by that Isaiah sixty seventeen, I will make peace your governor and righteousness your ruler. When it comes to life's decisions, we can make them in confidence, and we can make them in peace, and it feels good. It's a great way to live. 
I think this message of is a very positive message, and I th- I feel sometimes that we can kind of get the mentality that I have a list of things that I have to do, and you know if I don't do this, my mom and dad are going to be mad at me, and my pastor's going to you know preach against me, and and my friends in church are not going to love me anymore. And it, it, talk about that attitude and, and how we can combat that. Well, the truth is everybody's going to have to come to their decision about whether they're going to serve God or not. And and, the, and that's going to be based on who do you love most? Who do you love most? Do you love Jesus most or do you love your your life most or your own, your friend's opinions the most or, or your own thoughts and ideas? Do you worship them or love the Word of God? What do you love the most? Because that's who you're going to serve and we just have to come to that place where we say, uh, I give myself away. And, you know, I sing that song so many times, and, you know, sometimes you sing a song and God just pierces you with it. And, and one day as we were singing that song in church, the Lord was like, just how much self are you willing to give me? Are you willing to lose your identity? Who you are, are you willing to give that to me and lose yourself and me? And when you do that, you're not going to be thinking, oh, it'd be really cool to get that tattoo. <laughs> I give myself. I lose my identity. I want people to see him in me, not my expression of my individuality. Talk to that young person right now that that has made a mistake. They 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 cross the line, and they're just they're living under guilt right now. Maybe they feel. Maybe it's not even you know they they didn't get out and get their name tattooed on their forehead or anything like that but but they just haven't they they just have this feeling like I'm not what I need to be and they're getting discouraged and they're feeling like well maybe maybe I, this really isn't what I need to do maybe there's something more out there what what kind of message can you give them I can tell you as a former cocktail waitress <laughs> as a former party girl that there's Yes, there's a little pleasure out there, but there's no peace, and there's no satisfaction, and there's no real joy, that this is the best way to live. And that even if you've made a mistake, guess what? I've made mistakes this very week, but God didn't say, you're not my child anymore. He didn't take my plate away from the table and say, I'm not going to feed you anymore. Get lost. He's not looking for an excuse to throw us out like yesterday's coffee ground. He paid a price for us, and he said, you are worth this much, my blood, my life. And he is open and desiring restoration and relationship, and it is a lie that you cannot come back and be everything and more than you ever dreamed. That is my hope and my prayer for every single person. And and there's people that are sitting on the pews, and there's people that have walked away, every single one of them. I just pray that God would speak to them and draw them back and let them realize that just because they walked away from His perfect will and plan for their lives doesn't mean that His purpose for them is gone. It's still there. The divine purpose of God is still there and still calling. And you can walk away from His purpose and calling, but it never walks away from you. And you can come back to the Father's house, and you can be so much more than you could ever be in this world. 
Wow, thank you for that, Sister Wagner. I, I know that's going to be an encouragement. So many times, I know even as a young, young minister trying to, you know, feeling this, this drive, this passion to be a great minister and, and all these dreams and things that God had given me. And then I would, I would mess up and I'd feel like, oh, you know, this is, this is the end. You know, I might as well just give up right now. But, but there, is, there, is, there is enough grace, there's enough love, there's enough mercy that God can help us through those times. I really believe that. And I, I really appreciate you, you taking the time to talk to us. And I wonder if you wouldn't just, just say a prayer over right now just for that young person that maybe they're, they're dealing with some of these things, some of these issues, or maybe they just feel like, you know, I, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can be strong enough to be what God wants me to be. Would you just take a minute and just pray for us right now? Sure. Jesus, I love you so much. God, we wouldn't have air to breathe, life to live if it wasn't for you. God, I just thank you for every person that's listening right now. And Lord, I pray that you would just give them a Holy Ghost infusion of of resolve and confidence that they can do this, that you will not call anybody to something they can't accomplish. You've never set anybody up for failure. You will make a way of escape in every temptation. You give us strength to do everything that you've called us to do and the resources to do it. So, God, I just pray that you would just silence any voice that's speaking negative thoughts that you can't make it and you can't do it, and let them remember that they can do all things, that they are empowered to achieve and accomplish every good thing that you have set their feet in that direction to accomplish and achieve for your kingdom. It's your desire and your great pleasure that they would succeed. And I just rejoice with them in all that you're doing for the kingdom of God, for eternity, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we've been talking today with Sister Lori Wagner, and she has a book that I, I would recommend, and we're going to make this available on our website, whatever we have to do, uh, ministrymentorship.com. You can also go to her website, which is affirmingfaith.com. But the book is called Unmasked, and I, I, I would just encourage every young person to get a copy of this book. Uh, if you order it from her website, uh, like she mentioned earlier, she autograph it and just, just leave a little note in there for you. But this is a great thing to add to your apostolic library. Sister Wagner, thank you so much for, for being with us. If there's somebody that has a question or or has a, would like to just get in touch with you, how would they do that? Oh, it's so easy. I'm on everything. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. If you go to the website, my email's there. I'm so easy to get a hold of. Just Google my name and you will find me. <laughs> and I'll be happy to hear from you. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today, and, and we just pray that God will bless your ministry, and, and thank you for investing in young people. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate all you're doing. God bless you, too. You've been listening to a Ministry Mentorship Podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you can find other valuable information for developing your ministry. Also, connect with us on Facebook or leave a response and let us know what you think about this interview. Thank you for listening to this podcast.